0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Gene Therapy. I am Coach Gene Clemens. Happy to be back with you again. I know it is July. You haven't heard from me in a while, but we are back. Not only are we going into the summertime, like heavy into the summertime, but we are also going to be rolling into football season soon. NFL football season, college football season, Canadian League is already on the way. But you know what I just watched? I just finished watching the USFL Championship. Congratulations to the Birmingham Stallions, the first winners of the USFL Championship. And one thing struck me while I was sitting here watching the game and and I was on Twitter you know, posting my thoughts, giving kind of reactions to things that happened. And, and and one thing became really evident. You know, there's just a lot of people out here covering football that don't actually love football. Now, I, I know I may be an outlier because I love all sports. Um, And if I had an opportunity to cover all sports equally, I would definitely do so. But unfortunately, I don't make my money that way to where I can cover all sports. And I think if I tried to cover all of the sports, I probably would come short because I wouldn't be able to do it justice. That being said, there's so many people out here that are working in football and what they do on a regular basis for their job surrounds football. Yet when the season ends, you don't hear from them. And the next time you hear from them is when they start kicking out content for um free agency or for excuse me for the draft or for free agency. Like that's when you start to hear from them again. And then once the draft is over, you don't hear from them again. And and, and a lot of times I'm I'm like, Well, why do we not hear from you? There's other football going on. You know what I'm saying? Like there's other football. That you could be covering, and, and I speak of the USFL. So many guys who cover, so many guys, so many girls, so many journalists, so many um, creatives, people who 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 do content for a living, who they they thrive off of football content. They have pigeonholed, or they have they have put themselves into a particular corner. Oh, I only do NFL. I only do college. I only do sports betting. I only do fantasy. It's like, when I sit back and think about all of these things, it it, it can't, I can't help but think to myself, yo, you just don't really love football. No, I get, hey, listen, you know what? If you get paid to, to do fantasy football and that's your bag, okay, cool. But when there's another league that comes up, isn't it just like known that, hey, you might have to cover and, and learn about this league because you may one day be doing fantasy on this league. Like if you're somebody that's a creative especially if you have your own platform or you want to grow your platform whatever that you have your own platform or you want to grow your your presence because the bigger your presence the more chance people are clicking on your articles the you, you know how to you know how to, the thing works you know all how the all the algorithms algorithm so if you're not in the in the business of continuing to Expand. What are you doing? Right? Everybody that doesn't know you is a potential. It has a potential to be somebody that begins to listen to what you have to say. And if you have people listening to what you have to say, then that's value. And if that's value, that turns to dollars. So I don't understand what the what the problem with covering and talking about spring football is. In fact, I think it's laughable that so many people have gone out of their way to talk poorly about spring football. Oh, this is an awful product. They wouldn't beat some of the best college teams. Like, stop it. I don't care how good Georgia is. I don't care how good Alabama is. They're not beating one of these USFL teams. I'm sorry. Like you might think that they will, but these are grown men out here. They're not, there are no 18 year olds out there. There are no, there are no guys who are just happy to be on a scholarship. There are no walk-ons out there. The guys that play, whatever level that they played at, They were the best to do it at that level. For the most part, I guess we'll talk about that in a little bit. But this idea that journalists, that media members, that creatives have gone out of their way to talk poorly about, to to put down. To, to discredit the USFL and what they've been doing, that they don't see the value in it because they don't want to deal with spring football, just again tells me, well, hey, man, hey, hey look here, little mama, you just don't love football. And I guess, I mean, at the end of the day, am I mad at them? No, I'm not going to be mad at them, but I'm going to call them out. Because if you don't love something, you're never going to give your full heart in it. So what else are you cheating me out of? What else am I missing? Because you don't love the sport from your coverage. Like when you cover the game of football and you're somebody that doesn't love the game of football, what am I missing from you? What, what am I not getting from you? Because ultimately, that's what matters. I need to know that you are invested in this game as much as I'm invested in this game or else I need to go find somebody else. Right? That's what we do as consumers. Like we want to be around like-minded people. um, People who like, I, I cover I talk about the Giants I cover the Giants for GiantsCountry.com I am not a Giants fan I do not love the Giants so am I upset that there are some people who might want to hear Giants content from other people who love the Giants no that's how this thing works but you know what they come to me for the reason that i have success with giants fans is because when they come to me they know i love football they love i they know i love analysis of football so if you want to know about the analysis of football and why the giants are losing or why they're winning or why they have a chance to be better or why they should hold on to their quarterback or get rid of their running back or draft a wide receiver then you come to me because you know I love football. I'm not going to cheat you. I'm not going to cheat you out of what you deserve as a football fan. Because I don't want to be cheated out of what I deserve as a football fan. So when I look at, when I when I write about the Giants, I put myself into the body of. Because I love football, it's easy for me to fall in love with the Giants or or to envision myself and how I would act if I were in love with the Giants. It's easy for me because I love football and I love to analyze football. I can sit back and look at the Giants and analyze them for what they are. If I was a coach, if I was a fan, if I was a player, if I was a GM, Because I have invested the time in knowing enough about, not enough, knowing everything about the game I could possibly know. And then knowing enough about the climate of the Giants to understand what needs to be done to be a good organization. Not just to be a Giants fan, but to be a good organization. And unfortunately, so many... Writers only have a superficial knowledge of the sport they cover. This is very important. Because if you only have a superficial knowledge of the sport you cover. Then how can you how can you ever say you love the sport? What kind of sense does that make? If you only have a superficial knowledge of the sport. How can you ever say that you love the sport? You can't. You can't. But the the more you love something, the more you want to know about it. You ever taste something? You ever have something that tastes really good and you, you pick it up for the first time and taste it And you're like, oh, my God, that tastes good. What's the first thing you do? You turn it around. You start reading the label. Why? You want to know more about it. Because it tastes good. Right? I mean, that's that's how these things work. Because it tastes good, you want to know more about it. And so you turn, you turn the can around, you turn the bottle around, you, you, you read the, you read what's in it. You want to read the history about it. You want to know more. Hey, where can I buy more of this set? I love a good craft beer. You want to know one of the things I hate? I hate when you find a beer that you like and then the beer all of a sudden disappears. And now you're looking for more information about where to find said beer. Isn't that annoying? I find it to be like incredibly annoying. I remember the first time I ever I ever drank spotted cow. I'm off on a tangent, I know, but you know, it's it's called gene therapy for a reason. And as I record this, I want you all to know I'm actually laying on a couch because this is therapeutic for me to be able to talk. And today, because I don't have, or tonight, because I don't have someone else to talk to, I get to talk to you guys. Um, And so that's what I like to do. Sometimes I want to have a guest, and then sometimes I just want to be able to talk to you guys about what I'm thinking. But I remember the first time I had Spotted cow. And if you've never had Spotted Cow, it's a beer. And apparently the beer is only made in Wisconsin or in that area because when I tried to find that beer somewhere else, I had zero luck. And I was upset about it. To a point that every time that that I meet somebody that is from Minnesota or Wisconsin, who I know might have access to Spotted Cow. I'm like, yo, if you go to Wisconsin, can you bring me back a case of Spotted Cow? Like people I don't even know. People I'm probably never going to see again. Why is that, ladies and gentlemen? Why would I do that? Well, it's simple because it's, it's affected me. It has some type of hold on me. I have invested some time into it because I like it. And that's just at a like level. So if you love something, why are you not getting to know more about it? If you love something, why would you not invest in it more? College football writers out here only ever writing about the same teams over and over and again. And you know what? I understand it. I get it. It's easy. It's low-hanging fruit. If I talk about Alabama, people are going to read it. If I talk about Georgia, people are going to read it. If I talk about Texas, people are going to read it. Ohio State, Michigan. I'm going to cherry pick all the teams that I know whose fan bases consume, 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 consume. But there was a point in time where their fan bases did not consume. Where there was somebody that said I'm going to invest time into building up this, right? I'm going to invest time into building up this, 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 this thing where people will pay attention to it. I'm going to talk about the, I'm going to talk about the Golden State Warriors because nobody else is talking about the Golden State Warriors. And one day, when the Golden State Warriors are better, guess who they'll turn to for their Golden State Warriors coverage? They'll, they'll turn to me. Why? Because I've been here from the start. My man, my man, Teron Davenport, who is the ESPN writer, um, ESPN fan, ESPN Nation writer for the Tennessee Titans. Left from the Philadelphia Eagles beat that he was on. And he went to cover the Titans a few years ago. And in less than a few months, everybody was on him as an authority for the Titans. You know why? A... He loves the game. See, it has to start there. It has to start with a love for the game. He has a love for the game. And because he has a love for the game, he has a deep knowledge of the game. Not just because he played it, because not everybody who plays football loves it, right? We know that. We can see that on Saturdays. We can see that on Friday nights. We can see that on Sunday afternoons. We can tell that not everybody who plays this game loves it. So it's not just because he plays the game because he played the game, but it doesn't hurt. Right? So he has a love for the game. He played the game. And because he has a love for the game and played the game, he researches the game to make sure he understands football at its most nuanced level so that when he speaks to people about football, he speaks to them in their language that allows him to have a rapport with players, with coaches, with, with front office people where they confide in him and they want to talk to him and they want to have interviews with him, where they invest in that. He has built up a name for himself because he loves the game. There was not the a uh, built in just because, hey, I know many people who who work for ESPN who don't have large followings I know people who work for ESPN that fans don't take seriously I have people who work for ESPN. I know people who work for ESPN who is constantly trying to build up their profile the difference is the difference is do they really love the game or did they just think well because I work for ESPN and because it's football this just automatically happens. That's the question that a lot of people have to answer: ask themselves. Did you just think because you get an entity that has a backing, it has a name that people trust or people know that you should automatically get a fan base? Because my answer is no. And I also don't think that the amount of followers, the amount of subscribers that you have, I don't think any of that bears any weight when it comes to what you're going to do on a daily basis within that fan base with that sport. Right? I'll take myself for an example here. Um, I'm on Twitter. I have. I don't have a lot of followers. I don't have like 100 or 200, but I don't have 10,000. But everybody that follows me. Everybody that follows me, they're real people. Like. Unless someone slipped the box in there, like, because I don't, I'm not mass marketing follows. I'm not looking to just get generic follows. People who follow me, they do so because they feel like I give them quality coverage. They do it because they feel like I give them quality work. Because I give them real football analysis because I give them something that they can follow. Because I'm not afraid to be original. I don't just parrot what everybody else is saying. This is important, ladies and gentlemen. This is how we get the thing done. This is how you make the gumbo, right? You have to be able to give some of you and unfortunately for us as football consumers not everybody, not every one of us, meaning football media, loves what they do. So you can go an entire USFL season and only hear a couple voices talking USFL. Myself, Emory Hunt, there's some other people out there, but I big me up, I big up my guy. We talk, USFL every single week we make it a point to talk USFL every single week Emory's invested in having a USFL show every single week why because there's a mar- there's a there's a market out there right there's a there's a climate for that there's a landscape for that he knows it, and he's not afraid to be on the ground level. I know that people are watching. I know that people care about about spring football. I don't care what the other people are trying to feed me. I don't care what the narratives are that they're trying to shape that I know are not true. You know, here's something that gets me and I, and I like soccer. I know a lot of people who don't, but I love football, soccer, right? I love soccer. And for years, we have been fed this, this, this lie that soccer is something that Americans want. It's the fastest growing sport in the country. That might very well be true. That doesn't mean we want to watch it on TV. Oh, well, there's a climate for it. There's there's an audience for it. And because this narrative has been pushed by various media people and media outlets, we just believe it. We just hold it to be true because somebody told us it was the truth the same people who are telling us that soccer is something that the American people want to consume on television they're the same people who are telling us the USFL doesn't have anybody watching except for when we look at the ratings the USFL is getting more ratings than or higher ratings, excuse me, than soccer. More higher ratings than the the English Premier League, higher ratings than the MLS. So if everybody is pleased with the numbers for the EPL, English Premier League and the MLS Major League Soccer, and they're willing to invest all of this money into it, they're willing to be given all of these, you know, um, platforms in order to be able to be seen, then why would that not be the case for USFL? Because USFL is drawing larger numbers without all of the backing without all of this money and without the years of establishment. Remember, EPL has been around forever. And Major League Soccer, while it hasn't been around forever, it's been around infinitely longer than the USFL football has. Right? So it's easy to see why they would Get higher ratings, but they don't. The NHL, for as much as we like to talk about hockey and how great playoff hockey is, and by the way, it's great, go boats. Go boats, even though they lost, we don't care, go boats. Hockey and playoff hockey is great, but regular season hockey is not outdrawing the USFL. I don't care what people try to tell you. These are the facts. You know what? They talked about the fact that the USFL is being played in the bubble. So all of the games are played in Birmingham, right? So all these games are being played in Birmingham. So you have eight teams. Only one of them is actually a Birmingham team. So guess who the fans come out to see? Yep. Birmingham. You think that the Birmingham fans Care about watching the Tampa Bay Bandits play against the Pittsburgh Maulers? No. And the USFL knew that. That's why the model this year wasn't based off having packed stadiums. It was based off of putting together a television model that people wanted to consume. That's what they did. We just talked about the numbers. Fox NBC doing over a million averaged over a million on Fox and NBC. If you add in what they did on USA, if you add in what they did on their other on Fox on sports one, that number comes down, but it comes down to 700,000 which is still in many cases outdrawing what Major League Soccer and the EPL are doing. They talk about these empty stadiums in in Birmingham. Oh my God, nobody's watching. It's like a high school game out there. The attendance. But then they don't say anything about the fact that Major League Baseball will have like what looks like high school numbers out at a baseball game. A Major League Baseball game will draw some ridiculously low number. Nobody says a word. That's actually not true. Some people complain about the numbers, but they say, hey, baseball's a regional sport, so we have to be okay with some of these numbers being low because people are in school and they don't blah, blah, blah. They make every excuse. They make every excuse for why major league baseball does not get more butts in the seats. Yet they expect the USFL in year one to be drawing major numbers when they're playing every, every game every team in the same city in the same stadium like come on who are we kidding this isn't realistic and the expectations that the outside world puts on the USFL is unfair because they don't take into consideration what their favorite organization league had to go to, to get where they are today. There was one point in time where the NBA looked like it was about to go bankrupt. Now the NBA gets so much money that they give and eh, make like, uh, uh, players, $200 million. They're making so much money now that they, meaning the, NBA, give out contracts that are in essence of a quarter of a billion dollars for five years. The elite of the elite are making five years $250 million max out contracts. And because basketball, you can play longer if you're really an elite. You have guys like LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, who are going to get multiple bites at or have already gotten multiple bites at the Apple to get that fifty million dollars a year or forty-eight million dollars a year. Like like don't get it twisted. Some some people are, are 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 robbing the bank to get that money, right? In these other sports. And they're getting it, but they may only get it one time. But be, but they're getting it multiple times in some of these other places. My point is, with that appetite for the sport, all it took was consistency, investment, and some star power. But how do you become a star? Anybody know? How do you become a star? Do you have to play really well to be a star? No. You don't have to play well to be a star. You don't have to be one of the best players in order to be a star. You just have to get the media, us, talking about you on a consistent basis. You have to move the needle. Draymond Green is a star. Draymond Green is a like what C-list talent. He's an A-list mind, right? But that mind doesn't work on every team. If you put Draymond on every team, it doesn't. He doesn't automatically make the team better. Draymond works perfectly in Golden State. He doesn't work anywhere else like he would work in Golden State. That's because of the way the, the, the team is constructed. But Draymond Green is not like the guy. And it's almost interesting because Draymond Green's ascent has been predicated on him being more of a character than a ball player. He is good. He's smart. He knows how to play the game. He plays the game. He plays the game really, really well. He's intelligent, but he is not the reason why the Warriors are winning or losing championships. If Draymond green gets hurt, they can absorb that hit. I know That Draymond Green believes that if he had played the the Cavaliers don't make that 3-1 comeback. But the honest truth is no. Cavs are just better. They let a couple games go that they shouldn't have let go. And then they didn't allow that to happen anymore. And that's why they won a championship. And that's why it was was smart for Golden State to go out and get Kevin Durant the next year. But you see how this works? like just the, the, the marketability of a Draymond Green comes from his personality mixed with his game. Not his game mixed with some personality because his game on its own is a role player game. His game on his own really would probably be better suited coming off the bench. His game is predicated on his, on his mental. He's not physically more imposing than almost anybody in the league that plays his position. He is, he is a power forward who's undersized, Does not have elite level athleticism. Does not shoot well. And he has a, he has an acumen for passing, but he can't always be sure that the people he's passing to are on the same mental wavelength as him. Oh, and he has a little bit of a temper and a mouth that gets thrown out of games or, given a technical foul a lot. That game does not scream, give me, give me like a hundred million dollars. But when you add that with the personality that's been built up by who? The media. As much as, and this is the funny part too, right? Because I respect Draymond because he, he's he's doing this thing the way I would do it. He's a player who wants to be a part of the media. He considers himself to be a part of the new media. But what he fails to acknowledge is that the reason he has a job as quote-unquote new media is because of the attention that he garnered from old media. So now we have the USFL over here, who might be a Draymond Green. The USFL might just be a Draymond Green. It's not the A-list. It's not the A-list, but it's really good to B-list, maybe C-list, but really smart, ran really well, and has a lot of personality. Why can't that be a league that survives, that generates eyes, uh, that generates attention, that generates buzz, that has people talking about it? Why can't that be an entity like that? Because the people whose job it is to tell you about this entity, they don't want to wait. They don't want to do it, because that's going to take away from something else. Oh, well, what am I doing in the summertime when I'm not reporting for my team or reporting for, am I writing a book? That's going to take away from my book writing time. Yeah, but what does your book have to do with loving football? When you write a book, are you writing the book because you love football or are you writing the book because you love what football has afforded you? The access that it's giving you. The ability to go places, to meet people, to see things that you would never be able to do if it wasn't for the sport. Don't you feel like you owe the sport? I, I want to ask that of, of, of journalists sometimes. Like, because journalists have this really weird... They have this really weird propensity for trying to remind players that playing in the NFL is a privilege and not a right, which I think is a a bunch of baloney. Like if I've worked if I've worked my entire life to do something, who are you to come along and tell me that it's a privilege and not my right? If I have if I have studied my entire life, if I've gone to school, if I've gotten the requisite grades, if I've gotten the requisite degrees, who are you to tell me that being a doctor is a privilege and not a right? Who are you to tell me that being a lawyer is a privilege and not a right? Being a teacher is a privilege and not a right. If I have to go through these certain steps, if I have to show mastery, proficiency in these things in order to be able to procure this job, that is not a privilege. That is the right that I have earned. Now, whether or not I stay a lawyer, stay a doctor, stay a teacher, stay a whatever is based off of my ability to perform. Right. I'm just talking to you right now It's based off my ability to perform. So for the USFL, it's not as if, well, you should just be, be happy that you got a got a year in. No, they put together the game plan. They execute it. It's their right to be here. And because they're here. It is our job as media people to give them the coverage that they deserve. To show them the respect that they deserve that they need and it's just way too many people out here not loving football. If you are a, if you are a football writer and you have not written anything positive about the USFL then you don't love football. If you're a football writer and you sit around and you tell me that you have not watched a USFL game, then you do not love football. You might love the NFL. You might love your individual team. You might love the Indianapolis Colts, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, the Seattle Seahawks but you might not love football. See, I, I judge these love football things very simply. Hey, if your team's not on, are you watching the game? If the answer is no, then you don't love football. Yeah, I know it's harsh. Guess what? I don't give a damn. It's the truth. People who love football, they watch football. People who love football, they write about football. So anytime you give me a chance to watch some football, I'm gonna watch it. Why? Because that's what I do. I love football. Every time you give me a chance to talk about football, I'm gonna talk about football. Why? Because I love football. Every chance you give me to write about football, guess what I'm going to be doing? I'm going to be writing about football. Why? Because I love football. Every time I get a chance to create content that surrounds football, guess what I'm going to be doing? Creating content that surrounds football. Why? Because I love football. There's not a lot of people who could go out and write for multiple publications. You know why? They don't have the stamina to do so. Stamina matters. Libido matters. What do I mean when I say that libido matters? Libido matters. If you don't have the virality... to continue to get it up for your sport, you won't be able to continue to talk about it. And there's an overwhelming majority of people out here claiming to be football writers. When really they're just like a team writer they're just like a, a, a level writer. Yo, I'm a college football writer. Really, are you a college football writer? Show me the Division Three football articles that you've written. Show me the NAIA football articles you've written. Show me the JUCO football. Show me the, the, the girls' flag football. If you're a college football writer in, the, in, the, in the, the purest essence of it it should not matter the level you should be writing about it now I understand that you might work for an entity that says hey listen we're not going to pay you unless you write about this like some of you well I'm an SEC writer a word, are you an SEC writer? Tell me you're an SEC football writer. Show me your articles about Vanderbilt. Show me your articles about Mississippi State, about Missouri, or as an SEC writer, is are all of your stories about Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, maybe a Texas A&M. Are you showing the love to all of the SEC? Or are you only talking about the SEC teams that you know immediately will move the needle without you doing any work? Because I contend In a great world of of content, right? I would be willing to give you said publication, the article for free. I mean, the article that I get paid for in order to then give you a second article that, that I give you for free because I believe it will bring in more eyeballs. Because... My job is to continue to grow the brand of me as a football mind, as somebody who loves football. So if I have to write the Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, LSU, Texas A&M article every single week, at least allow me to be able to, to write that Vanderbilt to write that Missouri, right? Like, you got to let me be able to really coat, really put a blanket over everything. So if you're a football writer and if you're talking about professional football, why in the hell would you ever not? Why would you actively try to root against more football? In a world where content is king, especially live content, in that world where content is king, especially live content, why in the world would we ever take away the opportunity to talk live about a sport we claim to love? Somebody explain it to me. I just don't understand it. I don't get it it was crazy sitting around the last couple of weeks as people began to turn on USFL games. Oh, wow. These games are really fun. Oh, these games are really competitive. Yo, I watched the USFL the other day and every single game came down to the last possession. You you idiots could have known this from the beginning, and you you cost fans from understanding that these games were this good from the beginning because you didn't tell them about it, right? You never told them. If there is a robbery on the corner, there's an article about it. There's reports. People are going to post it on their social. Why? So that everybody knows about it. Then they can make their own decisions from there. We didn't even get that. Nobody was saying, hey, listen, I don't know if you guys are into the USFL, but. This is what happened. This is how it happened. This is why it happened. This is what's going on the next week. Tune in if you want. Nope. None of that. We got none of that. Until we're already through the regular season and now people are waking up and you see people who have their own platforms who haven't said anything about the USFL all season all of a sudden now want to go and tweet about players and talk they talk. You got national writers who now want to chime in and give their opinion about something and talk that talk. Where were you guys week one? Why did it take you so long if you love football? Now granted, I'm not trying to push anybody away. So the more the merrier because that's only going to be better for the league and as I told you when all of this started... I am proud of the USFL for being able to get through something that the XFL wasn't able to get through on their reboot. To be able to get through something that the AAF wasn't able to get through on their reboot. Not on the reboot, but on their initial startup. I'm happy to hear the announcement for a season two. I'm excited about the changes that they're planning to make. I know that there's something that they can go further. And I'm and I'm excited about it. As long as I never have to see them have the debacle of the quarterback draft like they did this past year, we'll be fine. We will be fine. The USFL championship had two quarterbacks starting who were not the first overall picks of their team. Those were the backups. Then in the game, both of the starters got hurt. And immediately, both backups threw interceptions. Right? That's crazy. The backup quarterbacks who were the number one overall picks of their team ended up losing their job to the guys who were drafted and or brought in afterwards only for those guys who had been starting and got their teams to the championship game, getting hurt and having those first round draft pick starters come back into the game only to stick the joint up. It's a major black eye in my opinion, for the USFL, but it's the only black eye. They did everything else. I think the way that they needed to do, they made some bad decisions in coaches, right? They made some bad decisions in coaches, but that happens. That happens. As a, as a journalist, I'm excited to be able to bring you more football next year. When the XFL shows up, guess what I'm going to be doing? Bringing you more football. If the women's game ever gets their act together and stop with the 8 billion different independent leagues that you can't really consolidate things with and they come underneath one umbrella with legitimate teams that you can now have more talent on each team, And they're able to procure. um, I'll be talking more about them. Because I love football. And when you love football, there's never too much of it. When you love football, there's no such thing as, well, we don't need a spring league. That is for the lazy people who don't want to build and redefine content. And until they do, they're just going to be that one-dimensional thing. And eventually, they'll get past. That's my time, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for tuning in to Gene Therapy. It was really good to get this off my chest tonight. After such a great um, game, once again, congratulations to the Birmingham Stallions, your first ever um, USFL Championship winner. Um, join me again later on in the week. I'll have that pod up with myself and and Malik Span from Blitz Magazine. We'll be talking boxing and the Spence Crawford fight. So you definitely won't want to won't want to miss that later on. Um, later on this week when that drops, you'll be hearing more from me. You'll be seeing more articles. More podcasts, more gene therapy. I was out all June. So that means you're going to get more of me in July. And then obviously once we get into August and September, content is just out there and you'll hear from me. I got a lot to say. A lot to say about things that are going on in this world. But you know what? Sometimes I just have to hold my tongue and wait until I have more information before I could really come to you and talk like I want to talk. Because even though it is therapeutic for me to sit here and just tell you what's on my mind, I never want to be reckless with that opportunity. So I appreciate everything. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the pod. Make sure that you um, like, check out the the, the column. Follow me anywhere that you get your social media at Gene Clemens.